Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Jovan Lizzo, and um, we'll have Dr. Sean Harris come in later on on the show. Uh, he's busy right now, but he will be present. And we're here with a very, very special guest, Dr. Bailey Schism. Schism. Dang it. So close. So close. As I roll away. As you roll away, yes. As you leave me. Dr. Bailey Schism. Schism. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So welcome, Bailey. Uh, Bailey's one of my colleagues here at Advent Health Celebration. She's one of the PGY2 residents here, and she has a very interesting journey. So today, she's laughing right now, guys. So today, we're basically going to be focused on Bailey, and she's going to kind of tell us about her experience going from pharmacy school to her PG, her community PGY1 residency, mm-hmm. and then now to her AmCare PGY2 residency. Yep. All right. So can you kind of just start off and... Tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you got here. Yeah, so like Dr. Lizzo said, my name is Bailey Sism. I was originally born in upstate New York, and when I was pretty young, moved to Kansas, where I spent all my childhood and up until end of high school um, in a small town, Kansas, one stoplight in my hometown, and I went to pharmacy school at the University of Kansas. Did a six-year program, so two years of undergrad, four years of pharmacy school, and then decided that it was time to get out of the Midwest, and so I applied to PGY1 programs pretty much all over the United States, had a lot of fun traveling for interviews pre-COVID, and matched with the University of North Carolina PGY1 community-based program. And so I was at an independent pharmacy in more rural North Carolina called Eden Drug. And after about nine months of residency, I guess a little less, I decided I wanted to pursue a PGY-2. It had always been on my radar, but I didn't know if I wanted to go through the match again. But I did, and I wanted to go into ambulatory care, so I applied to some programs didn't have as much fun, didn't get to travel, mm-hmm. but virtual interviews and ended up here at Advent Health Celebration. Yeah. Okay. So going about selecting a residency in community pharmacy, where did that really come from? Because that's so untraditional. Anybody that does community, they just go right into the workforce. They don't yeah. really do a PGY1 in it. So yeah. where did that kind of come from? Yeah, so my background, I guess, in pharmacy school, I worked at Walgreens for a little bit, and then I pursued other things outside of just working a pharmacy job. So I had a lot in, of involvement in like my campus ministry when I was in college, and also did some extracurriculars with the pharmacy school, and then like had friends and family stuff that came up and, you know, life short, you only get to live once. So I didn't think that I was the best fit um, for a residency program, or should I say not necessarily best fit, the best candidate, since I didn't have a ton of work experience or research experience. But I thought, if you never try, you never know. And so really, community pharmacy struck me as probably the best option for me, because Joven, you pretty well now. I'm a huge people person. Yes. I love becoming friends with people, getting to know people, Mm -hmm. kind of investing in people. So 
When I was in my fourth year rotations, when I was on the inpatient side, I was definitely interested in internal medicine and things like that. Definitely not your crit care or emergency medicine girl, but (laughs) internal medicine was like, I was like, okay, yeah, this is awesome. But I always found myself getting feedback that I was trying to like optimize for long-term. So chronic disease state management, you know, really when they're in the hospital, they're just trying to take care of whatever they came in for and get them out and then their PCP or specialists that they see kind of follow up on that care. And so I wanted to be in a setting where patient care was more longitudinal. And that's why community pharmacy. Now, Walgreens does have community-based PGY1s, but I wanted to be in an independent setting specifically because you had more flexibility and kind of quote-unquote independence. I mean, you don't have as much red tape with corporate pharmacies and things like that in the independent setting so a lot more freedom to kind of implement new things new services and things like that so that's where my path kind of went towards community pharmacy more of the patient relationships now did you apply to any more clinical pgy1 residency programs nope i went solely for community community based yeah oh you're determined yeah i was Okay. Yeah. And as far as applying to ones outside of the state of Kansas, was that also a priority of yours? Like you wanted to travel, be in a new area? Yeah. So, I mean, I can't say too many bad things about Kansas. (laughs) You grew up there. Yeah. I lived a long time there. Um, But I was ready to get out of the Midwest. Um, I had lived 20-something years in my life there. And so I applied to can't even remember how many programs, but essentially I ended up interviewing in Buffalo, New York, Boise, Idaho. Oh my gosh. Memphis, Tennessee. It's like two of the coldest areas. Yeah. <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee, and then um, in North Carolina, I interviewed at a few sites. But this was pre-COVID too, so I traveled mm. for all these interviews. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I got to see a lot of so how was that experience it was a lot of fun yeah yeah it was a lot of fun you got to try a lot of food mm-hmm. it would have yes, gone on foodie. the foodie yes gram. yes yeah. it would have and um so it was a lot of fun and blake my husband got to travel with me for some and then i have family in new york so i got to see family up there so it was a really good experience but i definitely like my thought process going into that was I wanted to make sure that I wasn't limiting myself like geographically. Mm -hmm. And so with community-based programs, there aren't as many as the traditional inpatient PGY ones. So I knew that that was more limited to begin with. But then looking at a program that was a good fit for me, I really kind of just looked wherever. And I thought there's pretty much never going to be another time in my life where it's like, I can just pick up and move, like ending pharmacy school. Not that like all my friendships ended, but it's like, okay, it's just a year commitment. I can always move back if I want to or need to. So Okay. All right. And um, everybody that's listening, Sean just entered. Uh, how are you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Apologize for the late appearance. No, you're good. You're good. We get it. You're super busy, Mr. VA. Sean, this is Bailey. Bailey, Sean. Nice to meet you as well. Um, okay, so Bailey, Bailey was kind of just 
given us the insight on why she chose or yeah like why she chose a uh, community pharmacy pgy1 and so i just kind of wanted to know by doing this how did this benefit you because in my mind it's would be best to just go ahead and work as a pharmacist get full pay not necessarily do a residency in community pharmacy like what was it about a residency program in community pharmacy that you felt was beneficial and would you recommend others to do one yeah for sure so definitely like depending on where you see retail at you know if it's the chain pharmacies like walgreens cvs or an independent pharmacy it can look very different but there was a staffing component to the residency just like inpatient um, residencies have you staff upstairs Mm -hmm. um, or decentralized out on the floor so i worked the counter about one day a week and honestly, even though I wasn't making pharmacist salary, which was not super fun, yeah. um, but I got really good experience and it got me to really see how I fit as a pharmacist at, within the team. So I got to work with technicians, other pharmacists. We also had pharmacy students, so I got experience precepting, but I really developed a love for my pharmacy technicians and really wanting to see their roles in I guess more of the community pharmacy setting, but seeing their roles advanced and providing them education, really wanting them to not be stagnant in their position as a pharmacy technician. So I did a lot of like education initiatives for them. But also I think my PGY1 in a community pharmacy benefited me, like really building those soft skills. And I think anyone in a PGY1 can relate to that, you know, you do learn clinical knowledge and skills, but also those soft skills of like communication, time management, um, working with others, presentation skills, things like that are super important in your first year. So definitely got that. Um, I would say I also learned how to really advocate for my patients. So being in the PGY2 setting now definitely Mm -hmm. looks a little bit different. And I know we'll talk about that in a little bit, but in the outpatient setting, you know, you get MTM tips or CMRs and you look for ways to optimize therapy. And it's not as easy as just having a great relationship with a provider. You know, if you have a CPA or you can just walk down the hall, I had to like probably bug them a lot, but call or fax, things like that. Um, So I had to be really persistent with my recommendations and I had to like have solid backing for why I was recommending something. Um, So really learning how to be a strong advocate for my patients in the outpatient setting was something that I took away from my PGY1. Got a ton of experience counseling over like all these meds, OTC meds, um, definitely feel comfortable in that realm. And it's actually amazing. You wouldn't believe unless you've worked retail pharmacy what patients will call the pharmacy for. Um, They definitely, sometimes I'm like, you should not be calling me. You should go to your doctor's office. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, definitely like a few times had patients call and say like, I think I have a kidney infection. What can I take over the counter? I'm like, "Mm, actually can't help you. You need (laughs) private antibiotics. So um, yeah, things like that. But I would definitely recommend it um, to anyone that is thinking about residency, although it does look, you know, not nor- not the norm, I guess. Yeah, um, very untraditional. 
Yeah, but very beneficial because I do feel like I was very well prepared to step into the role that I am in now. Um, I don't feel like I was at a disadvantage. I just feel like I brought a different skill set. So my PGY2 co-residents that did an inpatient PGY1 definitely have a skill set that I don't have, but it meshes really well with yeah. the experience that I have. So, and, and even looking at it from my perspective, being a first year resident here, you have a I would say a great grasp of insurance plans mm-hmm. and also how that dictates recommendations when it comes to certain patients therapy. And that's something that I feel can be the forgotten aspect when it comes to Amcare. If you're not actually practicing within a pharmacy, mm-hmm. it's like, can this patient actually afford this medication? Mm-hmm. Is it one of their preferred options based off like the tiers of their insurance plan, et cetera, et cetera. And there are, there are apps that you can use, but like I hear you mentioning things mm-hmm. like off the top of your head, like, oh, I remember working um, so-and-so last year and like this wasn't a preferred medication. So this would actually probably be better. And it's like, huh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. And I got like a ton of experience with like patient assistance too. And I know we yes. do that here in the clinic, but definitely like I had days where I just, cause not only, you know, I think some people think, oh, community pharmacy, PGY1, you're probably out there staffing all the time. It wasn't like that. So I did mm-hmm. have a staffing day, but then I had more clinical components where I would work on outcomes. So do CMRs and tips. Um, I had like part of a patient assistance day where I would literally just scour the PAN Foundation, any open funds, and try to enroll patients for, you know, the heart failure fund to get their entresto at a lower copay or for free. Um, And then we also were doing things in the independent pharmacy setting that were kind of like pushing the boundary of what community pharmacy is. Because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, my retail pharmacist just puts pills in a bottle and I'm in and out, no questions. Um, But we actually had a point of care machine that ran um, their total cholesterol and LDL in their A1C, all from a finger stick. And so I was helping get getting that program started. Um, So I got to... Even though I wasn't working under a CPA or anything, I would fax the doctors with my recommendations and, of course, be so giddy when <laughs> <laughs> when they prescribe something that I mm-hmm. recommended. But, um, yeah, so definitely things like that. And I did want to mention, too, most community programs are paired with, like, a college or pharmacy. Okay. So I also had experience with like academia. So as a teaching mm-hmm. assistant, I did like classroom lectures and participated in some electives as well. So mm. Professor Bailey, I like it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. And no, that that's awesome. And some great points that you mentioned as far as the benefits of doing a PG, PGY1 in community, because as we kind of stated earlier, it's not really traditional. It's not something that most individuals would feel is needed or necessary in order to further their career, but probably taking that and going into another career, such as maybe Amcare, having that type of experience is very beneficial and can be beneficial even going inpatient. When you look at maybe if you want to work in like a inpatient transitions or care program, like maybe this isn't the most affordable medication for a patient based off insurance plans or understanding the, the complexities of maybe administering a medication, being able to educate the patient while doing it, because that's not something a lot of inpatient pharmacists are doing, mm-hmm. um, as far as like um, administration of uh, insulin pens, um, as well as like um, the GLP ones, et cetera, et cetera. So, oh, that's some great points, and I didn't really think about that, and that's why I love doing this podcast because yeah. I get to learn every single time I interview somebody. Yeah.
Um, all right. So for my next question, um, I was kind of wondering, why did you pursue a PGY2 in AMCARE? Yeah, so like I said, um, PGY2 was always kind of on my plate. But once you actually get through the match the first time, you're like, do I really want to do this again? But, you know, it's easier the second time around. I will say that. Um, I won't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. You know, to each their own. Mm -hmm. But, um, so, ambulatory care specifically I kind of touched on this, but managing chronic disease states, having that more longitudinal patient relationship, and really the difference between ambulatory care where it is now versus community pharmacy and where it is now is like ambulatory care is more proactive, whereas community pharmacy is very reactive. So like I said, I was calling on recommendations, faxing on recommendations, but that was all like after the medication had been prescribed, so kind of doing more work than what was needed, whereas in ambulatory care, the ability to work under collaborative practice agreements with physicians and make those recommendations up front to kind of have more streamlined, comprehensive, patient-centered care was the goal that I was really going for. And I also wanted that autonomy to practice under a collaborative practice agreement really strengthen my confidence as a clinical practitioner and why I guess just a second year of residency in general because I do have some co-residents from my PGY1 program that went on straight from the community PGY1 into an AMCARE job. Okay. So it's possible. Um, But I think myself, I really wanted to, one, you know, the second year provides you with different experiences so sets me up better for my future job and i also wanted that mentorship from preceptors um kind of learning from them and their experiences would make me a more well-rounded pharmacist i would say it's doing its job you know in the midst of it crazy time but um yeah so and i think you we sean and i we always love it when um, I think I think you're thinking the same thing, right, Sean? Are you thinking the same thing? Say it, say it, Sean. No, no, you say it because I you say it. Okay. Um, we're thinking the same thing. I can feel it. Uh, brotherhood, I love it. We love it whenever someone we interview titles the pot. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you saying yes? So I think we are. We have our title. So you're saying that Amcare is, um proactive or reactive right and care is proactive. Proactive, proactive and then community pharmacy is reactive mm-hmm. um and i think i never really looked at it that way uh, did you is that your quote can we <laughs> <laughs> can we trademark that like it's like the wayne gretzky michael scott yes um yeah, exactly. I don't, some, <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly um i don't know if someone said that before but that I mean, so I'm not purposely plagiarizing anyone, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, and no, that's that's an interesting way to. Oh, go ahead, Sean. No, I, I think that's a that's a good way to think of it. But like, regardless, you still it seemed like even in your PGY one, you found ways to like make a difference and provide recommendations and 
I mean, you kind of did those lipid panels there, like point of care testing. So you definitely had some AM care in you. So yep. definitely see why you pursue the PGY2. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it seems like you got a good mixture of everything. Like you even said you had some like academia and stuff in. Like, is that kind of like, what do you see in your future? Are you seeing more of like an AM care role? community practice role, going back into that, maybe a combined shared role, maybe there's like an independent job out there, or you can do both kind of areas, or you kind of want to get some academia, like what do you, what do you think is your, in the plans for your future? Yeah, so I think my heart really is in ambulatory care pharmacy, um, kind of that autonomy piece, working under collaborative practice agreements, but I do have a passion for community pharmacy and would like to have involvement with like CPESN, so Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network, and they really work on, it's called flipping the pharmacy, so putting the pharmacist in, especially independent pharmacies for the most part, in more of a position to provide clinical services, and the technicians doing some of the legwork and running the pharmacy, essentially. So I would love to have involvement with them to really push community pharmacy services forward because I believe that like pharmacists in general no matter where you're practicing do way more than just you know provide basic information about medications or just put pills in a bottle so I think that retail pharmacists are being underutilized and a big issue right now is like not having enough staff so that Mm -hmm. creates a huge issue but um, all that to say ambulatory care is where I'm headed. I would love to be like adjunct faculty someday at a school of pharmacy. Definitely don't know if that's like within the next five years, but eventually down the line and definitely precepting students. And um, so, yeah, who knows exactly what my future job will look like, um, but a little bit of everything. Um, I will say one thing I do miss being in the AMCARE setting, we do have one technician here. Um, she is our chaos coordinator. She yes. triages all the phone calls and keeps us all in line. But I do miss the clinical aspect of getting to like educate my pharmacy technicians. That's like a huge part of what my research project was last year. I actually trained all my pharmacy technicians over like our three most commonly dispensed inhalers and how they could counsel a patient not about the medication, but how to use the actual device. So like advert discus and a pro-air HFA and what type of breath to take and things like that. And one of my technicians, she's wild, but she actually told me like after I left, she was like, yeah, this guy called in and he said that he needed a refill on his albuterol inhaler, but it was a refill too soon. Like insurance was rejecting it. And she's like, I looked back at the fill history and he had been filling it like super early every month just because he was constantly running out of it. So she started asking him questions like, you know, how often do you feel like you have to use this? What kind of breath are you taking? All that stuff over the phone. And she asked if he had ever been on a maintenance inhaler. He said no. And she's like, you should talk to your doctor. So she actually called the doctor's office and just said, like, this is a conversation I had with the patient. And then, like, a couple days later, they got a prescription for, like, an ICS LABA combo mm-hmm. for him. And she, that was like such a huge win for her. Yeah. And yes, a huge, round of applause, <laughs> round of applause. And a huge win for me too. But 
she was like, I never could have done that if you wouldn't have taken the time to teach me. And so it's things like that, you know, I love precepting students and seeing them like grasp concepts and making an impact on patients. But also I love, you know, equipping my pharmacy technicians so they can really provide a high level of patient care too. So. Yeah. And <laughs> what? why are you laughing, Bailey? That stoic pause. No, no, I didn't know if Sean had had something he wanted to say. Mm. Um, <laughs> what I was going to ask next was, is there a specific um, part of AMCARE that you're interested in as far as like maybe working with diabetes, diabetic patients, working in a heart failure clinic, a COPD, asthma type, a lung clinic, um, smoking cessation? Like, is there anything special, maybe some specialty involvement with like hepatitis C or HIV? Uh, Coumadin Clinic, is there any special type of services that you would like to work in in the ambulatory care setting? Or are you just up for anything? Yeah. A little bit of everything. I mean, I feel like it's so generic to say that my interest is in chronic disease state management, mm -hmm. but I do love Diabetes Clinic here at Advent Health Celebration and would love to manage diabetes long-term for patients. I do love anticoagulation as well and obviously have an interest in inhalers um, and smoking cessation. So okay. it's kind of a little bit of everything, but I think ideally where I could see myself fitting is like a family medicine clinic. So kind of seeing a bunch of different, yeah. you know, chronic disease states and um, being able to have more of that longitudinal follow-up because I do enjoy transitions of care, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like the you see them once and then yeah. they go off to see their PCP. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And, and that's something that I feel will grow more in pharmacy. I think having more pharmacists at physicians' offices or part of um, a physician's institution in order to coordinate that type of care because they're starting to notice the benefit of having pharmacists, especially mm -hmm. when um, there's polypharmacy with those patients that have like more than eight meds, where really they're just treating side effects by mm -hmm. adding on new meds. And that's something that I think you like, definitely excel at and would be exciting if there's more jobs in that, because then we'll have more people like you doing great things for patients out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then as far as um, your story, so you've been traveling so much. All over the place. Jet setter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Going from Kansas, North Carolina, mm -hmm. and now coming here to Florida. Mm -hmm. How was that process preparing for all the different board exams? Stressful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's not what they want to hear. <laughs> I mean, no filter. I'm just being yeah. honest. Um, so definitely testing in the state where you learned, like, pharmacy law mm -hmm. is going to be the easiest. So Kansas was the easiest law exam for me. Um, fast forward to taking my law exam for North Carolina. After, you know, I was starting my PGY1 because I had to take my NAPLEX. Well, I, you don't have to take your NAPLEX first, but I took my NAPLEX first, and then I took my MPJE. And this is also, like, crazy COVID time. So, like, yeah. testing centers were, like, closed. They had very limited, limited. dates. Yep. Yeah. All that fun stuff. Um, but I literally took my North Carolina MPJE, and I walked out, and I was like, I failed. Yeah. I straight up failed. That's it, how you know you passed. No. It was a, <laughs> it was a horrible feeling. Um, so, and I, like, drove 
into Virginia for this MPJE because I lived in like north central North Carolina. So it was like two hours away from home. So I like drove all the way back and it was just super sad. Mm-hmm. And then I passed. passed. And it was it was a good feeling. And then Florida was my third one. And I was just like, I studied, but I like walked out and I was like, it is what it is. <laughs> like, which, which would you say was the hardest? North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Harder than Florida? I've heard Florida, like if you Google it, Florida is the harder one. Yeah. That's what um, everybody says. Yeah. But I feel like North Carolina was. It was like. It was, I said, you're, you're probably just such a pro at studying all these law questions, but then you were just ready yeah. for it. Yeah, I don't know. I walked out of that one, like my Florida one, so the most recent one. I was like, I don't know if I passed. And honestly, I'll deal with it when I have to deal with it. So, but I actually did better on Florida's than I did North Carolina's. So, I don't know. Either way, I'm a pharmacist from both states. So, there you go. Yeah. And so, by doing that, I don't even know all the laws. Are you like keeping up with everything to make sure that every, like, all your um, licensures in those states are up to date and all that. Mm-hmm. And how, how are you going about like keeping up to date with all that? Because that sounds like a lot of stuff that I would forget about. <laughs> well, like Florida, their requirements for keeping up your license are probably the most stringent because you have to have like specific CEs and specific mm-hmm. categories. But Kansas... I mean, Kansas, North Carolina, it's just like you got, you have to get your CEs, like a certain number of CEs and then pay money, which stinks. And I don't think I'm going to move back to Kansas, but I'm terrified the second I like let my license lapse and I'm going to be like, Kansas, I want to move back. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, pretty much I didn't answer how I'm keeping up with it. I'm just getting my CEs. (laughs) Yeah, you're just doing it. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Because, no, I mean, sometimes you plan things out. Sometimes you just got to do it. Yeah. Hey, I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. And then um, last but not least, um, what was your mindset kind of in matching with residencies outside of the state you grew up in? Because I know for a lot of people, it makes sense for them to stay maybe closer to home or staying within the state, as we said, because it's easier to practice and get that licensure um, in that state. Mm-hmm. So instead of having to go somewhere new, be in an area where you don't know anybody, you don't have any friends, you're all on your own, starting <laughs> off brand new, you know, what kind, and you did it not once, but twice. Yeah, you're giving so. me PTSD over here. <laughs> my, my bad. <laughs> no, um, no regrets. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of looked at it like, when else in my life am I just going to like, get up and move across the United States, and... I was kind of like, I mean, I guess now is the best time. Uh, Pre-COVID, you know, PGY1, I interviewed and matched right before the world shut down. So then I had to move in the middle of a pandemic and had, like, Joven so graciously reminded me of no friends. Oh. No. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, no, I made it. I made it. You made it. You persevered. Persevered. Um, but it's like, obviously it's really fun for me to like get to travel and things like that. And I can't tell you that I ever imagined I'd be living in Florida, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I got to meet an awesome person like you because I took a chance on Florida. So this is true. Yeah. Awesome. 
I like I said, <laughs> like I said, I'm a huge people person. You so are. like the opportunity to meet new people and I'm never like I grew up in Kansas, like I said, mm. most of most if not all of my life, twenty something years. And it's like I was ready for something new and I guess only being in a place for a year is like really abrupt changes and goodbyes mm. are really difficult. But I'm thankful that I have so many people that make saying goodbye really hard because it's like I really got to know them and create a relationship with them. So I'm not I'm not foreshadowing anything. I'm I'm never saying goodbye to you, Jovan. Um, we're okay. gonna be friends forever. <laughs> but yeah. So And she means that, America. I do. <laughs> I do. For everyone listening, Jovan Lazo and Bailey Sism, best friends forever. True. This is true. So, where has been your favorite place? Kansas, mm. Florida, Kansas, Orlando, and I forgot where exactly you were in North Carolina. I lived in Greensboro. Greensboro. So, Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Where from in Kansas? Uh, my college, where I went to college was Lawrence, Kansas. Lawrence, Kansas. So, mm-hmm. Lawrence, Kansas, Greensboro, North Carolina, Orlando, Florida. What's been your favorite so far? Well... <laughs> wow i guess it's not us um okay this, no, this <laughs> yeah is sean like, okay i guess it's not florida this is <laughs> this is no it's like a loaded question i spent 20 something years of my life in kansas not always in lawrence but like each city has really special memories for me like mm-hmm. obviously lawrence is where I went to undergrad, where I went to pharmacy school. I have a lot of friends there. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends that still live there. And so it, Lawrence is just like comfort, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it was all built-in community and really easy to, I don't know, just live life. No mm-hmm. crazy drivers. Um, <laughs> North Carolina and Florida both have crazy drivers. Is this true? Um, North Carolina was – it's a beautiful state. You have the mountains and the beach. Like, I was in North Central, so I was, like, two hours to the beach, two hours to the mountains. That's amazing. Yeah. Where where else can you get that? But I was – it was hard, It was a hard year. I mean, COVID and first year of residency and not having a ton of community. So that just made it difficult for me, mm-hmm. but not to say that I want to move back. And then Florida – has been, I guess, my favorite place that we moved to. Okay. Okay. So I'll mm. give you that. Um, crazy drivers in my car insurance is so expensive oh, because yeah. of I-4. It's terrible. But, and the summers are really not favorable, but. It's so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kansas gets really warm too, but I have found a good group of people. To call friends, so we're nice here. Yeah, Floridians are nice people. <laughs> Maybe <Yeah>. so, so. <laughs> so so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then I had a question, and I knew I was going to forget, it and I forgot it. Sean, did you have a question? No, I don't at the moment. I had one, but I thought we summed it up pretty well. So. Okay. Yeah, I had a question. Oh yes, here's my question. For so, do you feel doing a PGY one, just a PGY one in general, not because it was community? Do you feel like that helped you to better handle a PGY two, or do you still feel the PGY two was a whole different beast? 
I do feel like the PGY2 is a whole different beast. I mean, I think in your case, how you're doing like a PGY1 here, yeah. I don't know if I would have pursued a PGY2 in ambulatory care because you get such a good mix here and I feel like you're very well prepared. Mm -hmm. I feel like I had a very kind of like secular view of pharmacy being in the community side of it. And not that that's a bad thing, but I knew that I just wanted more in my future career. And so I felt like I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't seek additional training. I think I could have done it. Mm -hmm. I think it would have taken me longer to become like confident and proficient in my abilities so and then you did two years and now you have six years of experience mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. i like it yeah all right sean any any questions are we good we're great yeah okay. do you have uh any questions for us no it's okay i'm not going to do that to you guys Okay. I don't have any. I was trying to think of a fun question, but I don't think I have any. All right, we're off the hook. So now, before we let you go, um, I think we definitely have to let our audience know that you just did something incredible, which was get published in the Pharmacy Times. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the exact title of the article, but I know it was based on whether or not a 90-day supply is actually helping with med adherence. Mm-hmm. And so do you want to kind of talk about your article title? Um, you can find it on Pharmacy Times. We'll put the link in in the show notes for everybody that's listening uh, so that way you can access the article and read it and support Bailey um, and getting her views up on the article. But do you kind of want to share a brief synopsis of it? Sure. So the article is a 90-day is a supply the best option to improve medication adherence? And... It's essentially an informed opinion piece, but being in the community setting, I feel like so often you see 90-day supplies for maintenance medications, and you have these patients come in, and they may be on like a medication synchronization program, so essentially that is filling all their maintenance medications on the same day each month so they don't have to make like four trips to the pharmacy just to get their monthly medications. But when it comes time for that, they're actually like, oh, no, I don't need my metformin because I have three 90-day supplies at home. And you're like, wait, what? Like, are you not taking it correctly? And they tell you up and down that they're taking it the way that it's prescribed. And so with a 90-day supply, it limits the number of interactions that a patient has with a pharmacist in the retail setting from 12 potential interactions if they're picking their medications up once per month to only four. And so 90-day supplies may be appropriate for some people, but too often I what I saw in the retail setting and I think what a lot of pharmacists see is that people are getting 90-day supplies that actually have really poor medication-taking behavior. So they may be taking it incorrectly, they may be skipping doses, having side effects, all that could be kind of prevented or mentioned to a pharmacist that could intervene on their behalf um, to really improve their care. And so I won't go into it all, but, you know, 90-day supplies, that's a big push from the insurance companies. And 
they look at a very singular measure for adherence, the proportion of days covered, which does not tell us the complete story. So just giving some options for providers, you know, there's no gold standard to measure medication adherence, but different ways to approach it, like open-ended questions, really creating that like safe space for honest conversation with your patients so that they will even disclose to the provider that they're not taking their medications like they should because I think a lot of times there's this fear that their provider is going to get upset with them or they tell their provider what they want to hear and that's not really getting anyone anywhere. So um, really creating that open floor but also pharmacists being able to use like motivational interviewing techniques when they're meeting with patients, um, really trying to change the patient perspective too on what is their expectation when they come into a pharmacy because I so wish that we could change, you know, me, myself, and I could change the retail pharmacy game from the inside out, but it's going to take a lot more people, a lot smarter, and a lot more influence than I have to do that, but you know, getting patients to a point where when they come into the pharmacy to pick up their monthly medications, it's not just, you know, I pay my copay and then I leave the pharmacy. It's actually have interaction with the pharmacist, talk about how my blood sugars are, talk about how my blood pressure is at home and address any questions or concerns that I have. Because like I said before, I really think community pharmacists are being underutilized. They have the same degree that you and I have, the same type of training um, to a certain degree, you know, um, pharmacy school training, but they have that skill set where they can really make positive impacts on patients and their chronic disease state management. So, yeah, that's awesome. So everybody definitely check that out on Pharmacy Times. Um, Is a 90-day supply the best option to improve medication adherence? And you'll also be on the Pharmacy Times podcast, which is pharmacy-focused podcast, correct? Yes. Okay. So you also find her on there. Has that been posted yet, that episode? No. February 18th. February, ooh. We have a ooh. drop date. February 18th. So everybody tune in. <laughs> that better be the most listened episode. All right. We want... <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> we, need, we need the numbers to go through the roof in support mm. of Bailey, all right? February 18th. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. We got to make sure she climbs the charts. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as always, guys, um, thank you so much for listening. Um, We greatly appreciate it. We have a lot of exciting things coming for everybody this year. Um, We're still doing the Teach Back Thursdays, still putting out the IG stories, our our quizzes to help prepare everybody for the NAPLEX and um, their fourth-year rotations with learning. Um, We still have um, some other big ideas that I kind of want to share, but Sean probably doesn't want me to share. So I won't share. (laughs) But um, a lot of big things coming, I promise. Um, It's kind of been delayed. We've been super busy with residency and and focus on some other things. So we apologize on that. But we do expect um, some changes to be happening very, very, very soon. And big congratulations to everybody that got a residency interview. Um, We're super happy for you guys. And for the ones that didn't, please, please, please do not feel like it's the end all be all. Um, there's still always the phase two when it comes to it, if you so desire to apply for that. And there's also other alternatives they can go about. Um, just cause you didn't match, that doesn't define you as a pharmacist or as a pharmacy student. You can still excel and be a great individual in this career and in this field. Um, and if you have any questions or you need any advice, please feel free to reach out to Sean or Sean or I, and we will do our best to definitely help you all, um, through this journey. All right. 